Come and dream with me. Welcome to What You Want to Watch the Exposure Network's premium media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content, help you answer the question, in what new way will Warner Brothers Discovery anger the entire filmmaking industry this week? Excited to find out. I'm your host, Ashley Hobley. Joining me today, Dylan Blight. I'm not. No. <laughs> you don't know? Do you want to find out how they piss, you know, every single segment of the, the industry off after... Uh, listing changing the credits of every single person involved in their uh content on max the the new version of hbo as creators you know crazy you know they should just like hyperlink their tiktok accounts or something in each of them (laughs) Uh, again instead of names it's just uh twitter handles yeah 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 crazy uh, on today's episode, we'll be talking about what's in our Western tree, covering a little bit of film news, uh, giving thumbs to trailers, giving you this week's top three. Um, first, before we start, we've got a couple of competitions running over at explosionnetwork.com. Uh, if you go over to the website right now, you can enter uh, two giveaways uh, to win uh, double passes to see the movie Sweet As and You Hurt My Feelings. Uh Preferably, if you're <laughs> listening to this as, uh, as it releases, you may still have a chance of one of them. But uh, yeah, head over to explosion.com or I check mean, out the show notes below. Sweet as has like, when this post, very short time left. You hurt my feelings. We'll have like a week and a half. Yeah. So you're good there. Yeah. So get in quick. Get in quick. Uh, but yeah, let's... Uh, Jump into what's in what's history, uh, Dylan. You watched the first few episodes of the new Disney Plus series, The Clearing. I have. I gave it a score, which I can't remember in my review, but it was probably a good one. Uh, so, The Clearing is uh, based on this. Well, the thing is, so it's based on a book, but the book sort of takes the true life Australian story and you know, renames characters and stuff like that. So it's based on a book, which based on which is based on a true story, which is changed old names and, and stuff like that. So that's what we're dealing with here. Um, but it's, and then it, I don't think it's supposed to be a one for one anyway, but it's based on this, the cult fair, the cult known as the family, which was sort of like a, a religious group that had a leader who they basically all viewed as like the second coming of Jesus Christ or some weird shit like that, um, who the members of like the church slash cult, whatever you want to call it, would like donate their kids and whatever else to this one person, this one woman, and then all the kids would have their hair dyed blonde because the woman's blonde and it's all very fucking weird to put it bluntly i don't think there's any way around how weird it is um if you just do any sort of quick google search about the true story it's like well that's fucked up um and fittingly the the show the clearing is not exactly a you know plays it as all fun and games it's very much like you know this is a dark story with a lot of different uh undertones of abuse and stuff that's happening and like the but the the part that makes this series interesting is it's sort of exploring the the long-term effects and i'm not sure if this is based on any real 
particulars or person from the the real life family or anything like that. I think this was when we get into to the fiction of the book and thus the the TV series series itself. But so the show jumps backwards and forwards in time, um, and you're dealing with the you're basically dealing with one character who is uh, uh, I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but she's a kid in the the family part of the family, and then you've got her as a older character um played by yeah, i can't find her name but anyway she is uh, Teresa palmer so she's the older version of this character and you don't really know she doesn't really mention it and stuff like that but whenever we see the older version of the character she's very like protective of her child you know she sees a she sees a van drive past and she's like fucking like straight on on edge like there's there's something about about that van that's like triggering for her and all these sorts of things so the in at least in the first two episodes the the clearing is both exploring the the family this this real life thing plus then asking a question of okay well if someone escapes this and they grow up what are they like what what's what becomes of someone with that amount of you know psychological abuse and damage done to them how, how do they integrate themselves back into society if at all how would someone like that who then has their own kid their own family how would they deal with with things from that point on so um i really really like the first two episodes and i'm definitely keen to watch the rest of it uh i think as far as disney's first fully non like what well, their first fully scripted series because they've done like um like those football ones and whatever else. Um, this for Australia, I just think it's sort of they're like, yeah, fuck it, let's just go for like the darkest subject material we could green light. And- <laughs> well, <laughs> like- to be fair, it's a, it's, it's a Hulu show over in America, so it's you know it's not still the star. It's, it's yes, still. but it is still their first the Disney Hulu whatever. It's still their first like as far as funding goes, the first scripted one they've done for the platform there. And that's yes, it's part of the star here. But it's so weird to open the Disney app and put this on. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Yes, uh check it out. I suggest checking it out. I gave it an eight. I checked. Okay. Uh you also watched the upcoming Prime Video Australian series Deadlock. That we talked yes. about the trailer with about a couple of weeks ago. Yes, so I've seen the I've watched the first six episodes of this. I haven't got a review up yet. My life is never ending list of things I run out of time to do. But it should be up before the series starts this week. Um, I think there's two. I think the series is eight episodes. So I'm probably like two off. Yeah. Having watched it all, which is cool. Um, I really, really like it. I think it's going to hit. It's definitely very Australian, <laughs> which is um, for, <laughs> you know, it's on Prime Video. And I, I definitely feel like it's going to hit for a certain audience of which I would say I'm part of. It's it starts very silly so the the premise for this show if, if you can't remember how our discussion went for it when we talked about trailer is you've got this small middle of buttfuck nowhere tasmanian town so maybe i'm biased because it's set in tasmania uh mm. the way they talk about it i believe it's supposed to be in the southern area of the state sort of towards hobart way uh a body is found on a beach a investigation begins by the local constable or whatever 
the lieutenant, I don't know, whatever the title is. And a detective is sent down from Darwin or somewhere, like WA way is where the other characters comes down. And that character is just really over the top. Uh, This, she comes down, she's wearing a a button up fucking like ready to go. Like she comes from middle of, you know, heat. WA, it's always fucking hot. She's wearing flip-flops. She doesn't wear anything but flip-flops. <laughs> it's, it's uh, meanwhile, you know, co- consistently complaining. She's like, I never knew it was this cold Sydney. And then a character reminds her that she's actually in Tasmania. Like, there's all sorts of, <laughs> there's like all these weird bits, uh, bits and things going on with this character. And for the first, like, I would say three episodes, the show, it's sort of hard to get a, a vibe for how serious you're supposed to take the actual case that's happening because there's so many characters the the main sh- character like constable or whatever it is from the the local police department that character's played straight straight down the middle you know that's a, that's a serious character who um is dealing with trying to solve this murder case dealing with this absolutely unhelpful detective that's been sent down uh meanwhile she's got her i think they're married her, her wife uh is sort of constantly trying to get it off this case for for a reason that's eventually divulged into um and then you know all these other factors that are happening around town i guess without going into other things but and then you've got this absolutely ridiculous character but i'd say by the time you get to like the third or fourth episode they do start introducing some things that help make that detective who's come down into more of an actual character and explaining why she's so over the top a little bit why she wanted to solve this case the easiest way possible and just leave this town straight away and like what's happened in her past and stuff like that um and then as more bodies start turning up the the case itself is actually quite interesting as far as like a murder mystery thing like what's going on i'm keen to see how it all uh plays out i'm pretty sure i know like who we're at at this point but you know, you never know with these sorts of things, but uh, yeah, lots of very Australian humor jokes, a lot of straight up, I would say, Tassie jokes as well, including one sequence about going the wrong direction to Hobart that made me laugh quite a bit. So yeah, I I, I, I rate it. I'm definitely very keen. I think I binged the majority of it the, the other day. I put on, I was like going to watch two and then I was like, fuck, I want to see what happens next. And I just kept going through them. So that's a good sign. So it's going to be a high-rated show in Tasmania. Fuck, I hope so. I'm going to to be telling people, like, come on, support the... uh, They filmed it in Victoria, but, you know, it's set here. (laughs) They set here. They say Tasmania. They didn't actually want to come here. They they make jokes about it. Yeah, yeah. But who does, you know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Uh, Then you've also got a review up at ExplosionNow.com for Influencer, a new uh, film coming to Shudder. Uh, yeah, I think it's out. Yeah, it was. It should be out by now. I think that's how the that fell. Uh, Influencer was really good. So this is a this is a horror movie from Curtis David Harder. Um, I've reviewed uh, his other film Spiral that came out a couple of years ago. Not the Saw film, but the other film that was called Spiral um, <laughs> that came to Shutter as well. So that makes it a bit confusing. But uh, it's hard to talk this about this movie without spoiling it, and I don't want to because actually quite enjoyed it but the setup i thought this movie was going to be shit right so i looked at the i looked at the title influencer see the the general setup you know like 
blonde girl in trailer taking pictures you know like, i'm like yeah okay this is going to be the typical some fucking influencer is a dumb dumb idiot and gets herself killed or something like that or whatever else um yeah. i went into it sort of completely expecting it to be bad um and, and got turned around the other way because it just sort of subverted all of my expectations for the the way the film would play out so uh it's without spoiling it you've got this main character the the titular influencer i guess which is madison she's on holiday in thailand by herself she was supposed to be there with her boyfriend um ryan but he doesn't show up for i don't know he's off being his own fuckhead self in a different place or something like that the guy's a bit of a dickhead uh and then madison is you know in this beautiful country she's never been to beautiful place and she's spending the majority of the time, of course, she's taking pictures by the pool and stuff at the hotel. And, um, you know, this, the movie starts with her doing these scenes where she's, you know, recording and being like, oh, I just want to get out. And, you know, it's so good to be able to explore the, get new scenes and st- uh, taste of life. It's like, you're just at a hotel. You'd probably be at the exact same fucking hotel in America or wherever. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, then she meets this character played by Cassandra Nord um, called CW and she begins taking her around, you know, actually letting her explore this place properly, like getting out into the town, like going out and trips on a bike and all, and all this sort of stuff. Um, and from there, the movie goes in some really interesting directions between the two of these characters. And I would say easily Cassandra Nord is the, the, the standout from this movie she is just like she becomes a a real fucking presence like every scene she's in she just pulls away from literally everyone else that's in it so um very going to be very keen to to see what she has uh, coming up so um would highly suggest watching it it's not it's a horror movie ash could watch which means that there's there's actually not much like there's there's it's a thriller it's not really a horror movie. Yeah. It's more of a, a mystery thriller sort of thing. So definitely falls in the, the reign of, if I actually can watch it, you probably can too. Not um, in Trails. I, sorry? Not in Trails. No, there's no like, there's no horrible gory things or stuff like that. It's just, yeah, it's it's, it's more definitely in the line of just a mystery thriller sort of thing. Um, and I would suggest watching it. Definitely one of the the, the best things that's come to... Shutter's had a few good things so far this year, but they've got here's another one. Awesome. Uh... So I watched the finale to Succession, you know, it released on binge, a uh, big hour and a half long <laughs> final episode, uh, concluding the series, uh, figuring out who's going to be the final CEO of Waystar Royco. Um, and yeah, just like the rest of the series, it played out perfectly, uh, hitting a lot of the themes of uh, power and uh, the lust for power and power struggles and family and um yeah uh obviously you know we've had it it definitely felt like a perfect ending to this shakespearean tragedy of these terrible people kind of ending up in a position uh that they deserve to be in and uh is very fitting um i think you know succession obviously caught the public zeitgeist a show that maybe a lot of people wouldn't have expected uh, to, but, you know, it's so perfectly written. Um, just some fantastic performances this season has been uh, really well put together. Alexander Skarsgård, um, really enjoyable, um, kind of filling the void 
uh, of another actor who left earlier in the season. Um, and yeah, I, without going into spoilers, hard to talk about, but I've been thoroughly enjoyed this season, listening to other people talk about this season, reading, catching up with all the different people's recaps and theories. And um, yeah, it's, it's just been a real fun time. I'm excited for the day in the future when we're super rich and you don't have to do anything else and you can finally get around to watching this uh, series when time is infinite. Uh, infinite. (laughs) um, But yeah, I think, you know, it is a fantastic show. It ends really, really well. Um, Yeah, there might be like one or two moments that I could kind of nitpick. There's certain moments that kind of feel like they come out of left field a little bit or like call back to information that hasn't been addressed in several seasons. Um, But... Yeah, it's, it's such a fantastic show. Ter- incredibly well shot. Great performances by everyone across the cast. Um, and, you know, if it, 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 yeah, it's a very fitting ending to this family. Um, yeah, just the, the way it plays with your emotions, like uh, from the highs to the lows through this crazy episode. Yeah, it, it, it fantastic show. Uh, you should all be watching Succession, especially now that it's finished, if you haven't been spoiled because, you know, that's the thing. <laughs> Everybody's been talking about it on Twitter, tweeting memes and posts about who, in quotes, won and that kind of stuff. So, uh, I've seen a lot of tweets and I still have no idea what's going on because I just feel like out of context, a lot of them. Like, I've seen pictures and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not this. This means. Like, Who's this dude? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, watch Succession on Binge. Uh, Dylan, you watched the final episode of this season of Yellow Jackets. What did you think of the season? <laughs> Yeah, so Yellow Jackets this season, I, I would say it wasn't as good as the first season. Still very enjoyable, but they, they've done the season two thing of sticking a lot of characters in one place for a, a lot of the show, which I don't usually love. Uh, so that happened. What It's sort of weird to say because, so in the, of course, last season, they, they the kids in the, the, the 80s timeline, they crash this plane and land in the middle of fuck nowhere. Now that they're, they're trying to survive. And what happens in this season, what happened at the end of last season, they discover a cabin and they're like, cool, we can stay in this cabin. Um, it's a place to hold up or whatever. And winter's coming. Now this entire season, every time we flash back to them, it's winter. So that does mean the majority of the time we spent with the the kids, I say kids, they're teenagers, but they, um, they're in this cabin. And I sort of got sick of the cabin so I'm gonna. I'm thankful that will we'll, events of the show have. I know they'll leaving the cabin next season, so that's good. Uh, and then in the main adult timeline, the the all the storylines sort of converged with our all of our adult characters getting together into one location in the last couple episodes, which was good. And you knew that the show was probably always going to build towards towards that, given that. You know, in the first season, you only had two, three of the, I guess, the adult characters interacting. They teased um, another character, adult version of a character who survived the the coming back, uh, showing up in this season, which they do, um, and another one as well. So, uh, and then they're, they're basically dealing with the whole... Shauna's no, Shauna's yeah Shauna yeah Shauna's character adult character is just dealing with the fact that last season she murdered a man so a lot of this season is them trying to cover that up while they've got the the police trying to 
track her down or potentially they they think they know it's her so dealing with that um what the fuck and how the fuck they survive out there and what like if they the question consistently in this show is is there actually any supernatural shit going on or is it all in there they're going crazy out there in the woods heads is still being asked as we come into this as we end the second season but I'm definitely keen to see where the third season goes, although I am feeling like even though we already knew that when they announced the second season that the third season was coming, at least where the way this one ends, I'm like, okay, maybe like three, four seasons, but please, for the love of everything lost, don't try and stretch this out just for the sake of it because like the consistent flashing back to the kids, like at some point you're just... At some point, they're going to run out of ways for me to, I guess, believe that, like, it, they survived this this long with these certain conditions and elements, and you know, like, I, I can only I can only go so far with the, the the lengths of my believability, but yeah. All right. Uh, so you're looking forward to the theoretical third season. <laughs> I mean, yes, the third season's happening. It's, it's third just season the that they one day yeah. show. One yeah. day, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so I watched American Born Chinese, the new Disney Plus series, um, about based on uh the graphic novel by Jean Lun Yang. Um, follows a teenager called Jin, uh, who's uh, the son of Chinese immigrants who's just trying to fit in at school, uh, starting the tenth grade. Uh, just wants to be a regular kid, join the soccer team, um, you know, go about his day. Uh, but on the first day of school, he gets introduced to Jin, oh, Wei Chen, a transfer student, uh, who join who's, uh, his, uh, exchange student who he is made to look after. Uh, it turns out Wei Chen is not actually a transfer student, but the son of Sun Wukong, who people would probably know as the Monkey King. Uh, who has come to Earth to find the fourth scroll uh, that, in the hopes that that will stop a war being waged in heaven. So, you know, it's a bunch of Chinese mythology um, tied in with a bunch of a classic, you know, coming-of-age kind of story. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it's, it's very enjoyable. Um, it definitely is a TV show <laughs> in that, you know, there's some special effects in that. And it's not like super impressive, but that kind of plays into some of the charm of it. It definitely has definitely taking influence from something like, a like monkey, like the old classic TV series about Sun Wukong, uh, that played in like, I want to say the seventies. Um, but it definitely has that, uh, Chinese mythology kind of look to it which is kind of interesting. Um, you do get a couple like fantastical characters and people from Chinese mythology. Uh, there's a lot of fight scenes and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's very enjoyable. Um, it does. I feel like it takes maybe a little bit too long to get Gene into the, into the Chinese mythology stuff. Like for what, like maybe one or two episodes, he's kind of separate to, what Wei Chin is trying to deal with. Uh, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it. I think there's some really fantastic performances. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, 
plays Guan Yin, who's like serves as like a mentor to uh, Wei Qin. Um, and then in, interestingly, because obviously it was a bit, you know, it's kind of advertised as it's Michelle Yao and Kui Hu Quan, and uh, they're both in this TV show. Uh, Kui Quan plays a former actor in this uh, like 70s sitcom called Beyond Repair. Is playing like slightly, uh, slightly problematic Asian character, <laughs> and really Kuku Kwan's kind of playing himself, where he's like, "I was in this show, I was a big star at the time, and then I kind of quit acting." Uh, and then, you know, it, it's what, kind of weird. In a movie, you won a bunch of awards for? Or? No, no. Okay, but he has this like reunion. There's an ep- like a reunion special that he appears on, and he gives like almost an identical speech to the ones he's been giving during the entire um, press tour or like the entire award season, which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, he's fantastic as well. And like, it's, it's very silly. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Hopefully people watch it because I would like a second season. So um, yeah, check out American Born Chinese. Uh also, I watched the first three episodes of Platonic, which is the new uh, Apple TV series uh, starring Jason Segel, no, uh, Seth Rogen and uh, Rose Byrne, um, in which uh, Rose Byrne plays Sylvia, a stay-at-home mom of three, uh, and Will plays a, he, her former best friend uh, who it runs a bar, uh, is a brewmaster. They used to be, like, best friends all through high school uh but when will married his now ex-wife they kind of had a falling out and they kind of went their separate ways but after sylvia learns that uh he got the divorce he like she reaches out and they kind of reconnect um but yeah it's kind of interesting because they kind of bring out like the worst of each other or they kind of regress to like their college or like messy versions of themselves uh yeah, Sylvia's dealing with, you know, having... She's at that stage, transition period where the kids are kind of... She's been the stay-at-home mum uh, for the last 13 years, not working uh, as after have, being a lawyer. Um, she's kind of missing it, but she <laughs> she's kind of in that, yeah, that mess period where she's like, these kids are, like, moving on and wanting to be independent and don't really need me as much. I'm like, what do I do with my life? Uh, and Will's there to kind of... Uh, bring her back to her youth, I guess, kind of, and bring out, like, the childish element of herself, you know. At one point, she's like, she meets her husband's boss, uh, who constantly, throughout the episode, is constantly forgetting her name. Um, so he's got this, like, big speech that he needs to give. So she steals the speech and is like, I'll give you three guesses to come up with my name, otherwise I'm destroying your speech. And uh, he fails, so she proceeds to eat the speech. You know, as you do. <laughs> Sure. It's fun. It, it's definitely, you know, Rose, Roseburn, Seth Rogen, a great chemistry, obviously, from the Neighbours films. Um, and this, the show is definitely built on that. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's only three episodes uh, so far. Definitely the same, similar pattern to a lot of these Apple TV series of, you know, give you a good first dose uh, and then obviously drop off week by week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's really fun. So check that out. Uh, and then I've also watched Animal Control, which is a series that dropped on Binge. I believe it was airing on Fox in America, starring Joel McHale, uh, in which 
it follows a group of uh, workers at animal control. You know, they go around like dealing with different animal issues around the city of Seattle. Um, it's a fine sitcom. It's not going to blow anybody's socks off. It's not hilarious in any way. It's just enjoyable enough. Uh, John McHale plays kind of a version of uh, of his community role, I guess. I was going to say, Joel McHale plays Joel McHale. Joel McHale plays Joel McHale. Um, but he does have like a few fun characters around him. Um, and there are some fun animal-based jokes. Uh, there's two separate trucks in the in the depot, uh, one with Joel McHale and one with another crew. And they both race to try and... Uh, get to the scene of a, a special animal case, which is a, a goose that's uh, escaped because they both want to go on a wild goose chase. You know, it's, it's just a lot of that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I thought it was, it's, it's enjoyable enough, but uh, I, I wouldn't rush out to be watching it. <laughs> uh, and then Dylan, you watched a few episodes of the pillars of earth. Yeah. I got sent the, the DVD, uh, the Blu-ray, okay. Blu-ray, Blu-ray box set or whatever, um, which was good because, I mean, I'd wanted to watch it anyway, so now I'm sort of being forced to, to watch it, you know, but basically like everything in my life, if I can make it content, <laughs> I'll, yeah. fi- I'll finally watch it. So, because I played, I never knew anything about the Pillars of Earth until that game a few years ago, the one that Daedic Entertainment did, of course, the Man. developers of Golem. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but this miniseries came out in when did it come out? 2010 is when it when it came out. But it's like I remember looking it up at the time when I was playing that that game a couple of years ago and being like, "Fuck, there's some big names in this this miniseries." You got Ian McShane, Matthew McFadden, Eddie Redmayne, Haley Atwell, um, probably some other people are missing, but like they're the the key ones. Alison Peel, Donald Sutherland, actually, uh, other people. Uh, it's really good so far. I think I'm three or four episodes in, something like that. Uh, but the the basic plot is, and the thing with all these, I would never read the books, but every time I read about these Ken Follett books, which uh, apparently has a new one in this, like whatever he calls this this set of books, which is like he makes the like it's real, it's real like history, but then like his fictional characters around it, but he tries to make it as real as possible. If that makes sense, sort of sort of thing and like he's he's been putting out these books where it's always like the descendants of the characters and moving it forward like another 150 200 years every time um and it starts with this the the pillars of the the earth is like the first one in that set um but like while so it's set in like the 11 11 15 or you know like something like that um you've got this you know this king uh that sort of comes in at the start of the series played by um who fuck plays the king actually? What's his name? I can't remember his name. Um, fuck, I can't remember his name. Um, but the you got this new king who's a prick, and then you've got this waging war in the background because this show copied the well, actually no, um, Game of Thrones plotted the copied a plot element from this series, which is that pr- prior to all this happening, uh, some twenty five years earlier, a ship carrying the king's one son mer- was somehow went down in flames and there was a bit of conspiracy around that and then the king only has a daughter at the time played by um in the adult years as uh allison pill is the the daughter and she has a son and the king makes everyone swear you know like you will follow 
you, you will be led by my daughter in the event of my death until her son comes of age sort of scenario. And of course, everyone's like, fuck women. They can't leave. <laughs> you know, like that. Game of Thrones has done it literally a year ago is what's happening here. And then she's, um, and then as soon as the king miraculously dies, hint, hint, poisoned, because always poisoned in these fucking, that's what they love to do. Well, they always backstab with poison. And they always like get handed. The kings are handed, like things are mead and they never, they always just drink it and they, they fucking fall down in these things, um, which is basically what happens here. So then you got this other prick comes in as the, the king, Alison Peel, like sort of, you know, has to escape her own kingdom. And now they're, they're raging a war in the background. So all this like massive sort of kingdom storylines happening, the majority of the show, because <laughs> that's the, that's what's happening in the background that's not the main story the majority of this show is over in a little small sort of town villa whatever i don't know what you call it town i guess and you're following philip who's a priest i guess i don't know he's religious dude anyway like the leader of this this particular town and the church and then you've got um another character called tom the builder and his family and he meets uh, this woman who everyone accuses to being a witch because she does medicine. And apparently in 1115 or whenever this is set, if you did medicine, you're a witch. You're like, you know, like that's against God, whatever else. I'd burn her at the stake. Anyway, she has a son, uh, Jack, who's played by Eddie Redman, Redmayne. And he was like a good builder of building and training. So he got Jack to building builder helping him and this church goes down so then they're spending a lot of time here trying to rebuild this church and then you've got ian mcshane who is basically the leader of the like he's not the pope but like he's the second whatever he is the he's like in charge of all the priests for the kingdom or whatever and he's a prick too because he's constantly like wiggling around and making his moves trying to get more money out of king and i really don't believe this dude believes in god at all i think he's just you know he's he's more of a politician than a, a believer in god um basically what i'm saying is if you like if you like your medieval shows without the dragons um and you love a bit of political conspiracy and backstabbing um then i would say the pillars of earth is for you because i'm enjoying it so far i i mean i already liked the story having played the that that game i was like i like this this is a very like sort of it's weird that to to make like a fictional story yet sort of treat it as everything in here is history um but i I was like sort of down and the way the show does it is really good as well obviously you got a lot of big names in here they all give really good performances i don't love eddie redmayne i don't love him in nearly anything i've ever seen him in but that's just i think that's just eddie redmayne i guess but um everyone else is really good highly atwell's really good in this um, yeah, I'll suggest it. So I'm keen to get through the rest. Okay. Well, this is all that you've been watching. You also got sent the DVDs of uh, Round the Twist. Yeah, fucking. I've been watching Round How the Twist. How does that hold up? Um, surprisingly good, but maybe it's nostalgia because, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a ABC or whatever it was, BBC, fuck, I don't know. Whatever channel production show thing so it doesn't have the biggest budget and some of the special effects obviously like there's a ghost and it's, you can tell it's just a dude that they've like lowered the opacity on <laughs> you know like <laughs> just made it a bit more opaque it's fine but i i definitely feel like there's a combination of both my nostalgia for having watched this you know coming home from school and around the twist was on the classic absolute banger of a theme song which i i i struggle 
to skip. I'm like, nah, I should just skip it this time. I'm like, nah, it's a banger though. Let's leave it on, eh? You know, mm. what a good song. Um, and then just the uh, ridiculousness of each of the stories uh, week by week uh, and what happens to these characters and, you know, that just the the thing of like, oh, there's a dragon in the cave. But it, it's real. It's not, it's not a bit like there's a dragon and, you know, ghosts. Like everything in the show just is a, it's not, it's not a, oh, we got you. It was actually a duck, you know? And that character, that, that character thought it was a dragon, but it wasn't. It would be like, it was a fucking dragon. And also there's really ghosts in the attic and, you know, like all that sort of stuff. Uh, but the main thing it's had me thinking is I used to watch this as a kid coming home and I swear there's no way that... <laughs> This show would be considered a kid's show now because there's both just a lot of adult jokes, sexual innuendo, not between the key characters, but the the like uh, adult characters. And they're just the, I guess, the scare factor, the scariness of it. Like, not to say it's like it's a horror show, but there is definitely a lot of stuff played for scares and built up to be scary uh, in certain elements and stuff like that. So, um, or even just like the, the, like there's an episode where, the, the bit is that the the kids basically discover what like a different version of a genie and they get four wishes and then they use all three and then without remembering that they could use a fourth one the sister says like oh i wish you could just not talk anymore or i wish you could just shut your mouth or no i wish you couldn't open your mouth so much or something like that she says you know very typical saying and then the brother um, suddenly he, he has like the he only has like a really tiny mouth for the rest of the episode that he's like mm. trying to cover up, which looks fucked up. And like, <laughs> so I don't know. Did you ever watch? Surely you did. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, there's certain episodes that, you know, spring to mind. One in particular about him desperately wanting to pee as high as possible on the, on the pear trough, you know, and then being able to pee over the top, you know, classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's the one about the the frogs, and then there's a toad that eats all the other frogs. Yeah, uh, that, that kind of messed me up. You know, <laughs> I don't like, didn't like that. So, because it's uh, um, yeah. it's the majority it's of uh, yeah. well, the majority of the first two seasons, I think, and then the third season he wasn't involved. But like there was um Paul Jennings. Yeah, like they were based on his like short stories, and like he was involved with it and stuff like that. And if you've ever read Paul Jennings' books, which I guess people read, surely anyone around our age as a kid would have read Paul Jennings' stories. Yes. I don't know if anyone younger, like kids these days, probably don't know who Paul Jennings was. But reading Paul Jennings' no, short I feel stories, like he does like still publish books and stuff. Does he? I don't yeah, know. But do yeah. kids read books now? Like you know what I mean? Like, uh, like I, I had as to. a kid, I had all those volumes, like unbearable, un whatever they, all the un. Yeah whatever books right i've still got them in a box somewhere but Gizmos. yeah all those ones um and the, the stories are always fucked up like and that's the the yeah. the thing with round a twist i guess it's similar sort of nature all no right. holds up good shit all right good uh let's move into the mandatory netflix segment of the show i've watched the first few episodes of fubar uh, the new Arnold Schwarzenegger TV show. He plays a CIA agent named Luke Bruner, who uh, you know is he thinks he's about to retire, but he's pulled into one more job uh, in order to uh, rescue a CIA operative under uh, 
undercover whose uh, uh, identity has been compromised. So he has to go undercover to visit the son of someone he previously killed uh, to rescue the CIA operative. And it turns out that CIA operative, her do- his daughter, Emma Bruner, played by Monica Barbaro, Barbaro uh, from Top Gun Maverick. Uh, and then they have to work together to stop this uh, evil arms dealer from uh, selling a small nuclear suitcase bomb uh the the villain played by diego luna uh so they have to work together they have this small CIA team that's like kind of uh, focused on getting this one guy um so of course you know you've got uh luke and emma constantly bantering and uh neither of them knew the other was in the cia uh so there's all this family conflict um to the extent where they even bring in a psychologist to help them kind of have therapy sessions with each other um it's fine it's it i don't know yeah it just sold it's fine i love that <laughs> you know it it definitely it definitely plays out the way you think it's going to where you know arnold Schwarzenegger's character thinks his daughter's still like his little girl doesn't want her to do any of the dangerous stuff on the missions uh doesn't want her going on top of a moving train uh to stop stop this massive bullet train uh, because she might accidentally fall off or something. Uh, it doesn't want her to do the honeypot or like trying to seduce the, the, the target and that kind of stuff that wants her, her all in these frumpy clothes and that kind of stuff, not uh, gets upset when she's swearing and that kind of stuff. Uh, and of course she's upset that uh, he never told her about being in the CIA and was always away and pretending to be on secret missions uh, or pretending to be pretending to be away on business uh, trips when he was, he was really like being a CIA agent or whatever. Um, also, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's dream was that he would get back with his ex-wife, uh, but she's started to date this new guy. So he's using CIA resources to keep track of this new guy, like see what he's doing, uh, like spying on him and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's just it. It just feel. I've watched three episodes. It feels incredibly long, <laughs> like <laughs> unnecessarily long each episode. It kind of feels like it's dragged out. Uh, it just hits on all, so many of these cliches of these kind of series and that kind of stuff. Um, you, yeah, you can definitely see where everything is kind of going. It's really weird. Her bo- her boyfriend is played by Jay Parashel, who's just in the show for some reason. Um, yeah. It's, it, I, I don't think I'm going to be finishing this one. It's like, well, it must be bad for you not to finish. To finish I mean, yeah, it's tempting to say it does. It does a solid job. They end each episode on a cliffhanger. They were just like, oh, maybe you know, maybe one more. You know, let's see how they get out of this one. Um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely far from Arnold Schwarzenegger's biggest best work. Uh, so that's everything I watched history. Let's move into the, some film news, and we're going to switch things up. This t- let's jump into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. This week we're doing our top three most anticipated films from the Cannes Film Festival. Um, I mean that we could like talk about some of the other projects that came out of there. So, Dylan, what's your number three? 
my number three is May December. Mm. So this is the. Uh, I don't think this is supposed to be. It sounds like a fucked up comedy to me. But anyway, it's the new Todd Haynes film, um, in which I I'm trying to find an official synopsis. Rather than me explaining it. Uh, yeah. 20 years after the notorious tabloid romance group the nation, a married couple buckles under the pressure when an actress arrives to do research for a film about their past. So reading about it, basically the story is that uh, Julia Moore's character like ha- goes to jail for having a relationship with an underage kid. And then like, t- yeah. So then 20 years later when she's out of jail and everything, then you've got Natalie Portman's character who's playing an actress who wants to come like research her study. for a role or like study her for a role and stuff like that. Um, it sounds very, yeah, sort of like messed up, messed up, but apparently everyone was writing about it being weirdly funny, but like tongue in cheek, sort of how I was reading about it. So I'm keen. Anyway, it's been directed by uh, Todd Haynes, which um, a big fan of a bunch of movies, other movies, including Carol, which I absolutely love. And um, I'm not there, of course, as well. So um, keen for this one. Number three. All right. Uh, my number three is The Delinquents. So this is an Argentinian movie directed by Rodrigo Moreno. Uh, synopsis. Morin and Roman are two bank employees that at some point in their lives question the routine life they carry out. One of them finds a solution, committing a crime. Somehow he succeeds and commits his destiny to his partner. The decision will lead to a resounding change in their lives to search for a better existence. Uh, It's been called the most banal, uh, boring, low-key, laid-back bank robbery ever to be put on screen, uh, in which he just steals a bunch of money and gives it to his co-worker to hide, uh, believing that, you know, him going to prison for a few years is better than working for all this money. Uh, so yeah, this sounds like a fun time. <laughs> Just a, a weird setup and uh, you know, very good reviews coming out of Khan. So uh, yeah, that one is my number three. Dylan, what is your number two? My number two is The Zone of Interest, the first film from Jonathan Glazer since 2013's Under the Skin. Um I don't know too much. I didn't want to read too much, not to spoil stuff for me, but I, I, so the synopsis is the commandment of Auschwitz, Rudolf Hoss and his wife Hedwig strive to build a dream life for their family in a house and garden next to the camp. From my understanding, it's supposed, like it takes, so Glazer's known for doing sort of weird films. Um, and it's, I, I read someone say it's definitely like his style on top of a, world war ii sort of, uh style like nazi family film um which sounds very weird and messed up at the same time so very keen for it um the other standout f- thing coming out from Khan's for this one was it sounds uh does star or co-star i don't know if she's the co-star or star i think she's the star sandra hewler who's also the star of the film that went on to win the um what the fuck's the Palme d'Or or whatever the fucking award's called? I can't remember. Anyway, the, the film that won the, the major award, she also stars in. So, mm. shout-outs there. That's my number okay. two. My number two is a film called Robot Dreams. Uh, it's an animated film uh, about a dog and a robot. So, the summary is, dog lives in Manhattan and he's tired of being alone. One day, he decides to build himself a robot companion their friendship blossoms until they become inseparable to the rhythms of 80s New York City. One summer night, Dog, with great sadness, is forced to abandon Robot at the beach. Will they ever meet again? 
Um, yeah, just a lot of the reviews very positive. It's got a very uh, old school, like it's two D animated styled. Um, apparently, it's told with very limited to no dialogue, um, and yet has a been uh, had an incredible impact on all of the reviewers. Uh, I think some, what was the line that I saw? Hang on. Described as a delightfully bittersweet animated wonder that embodies the medium's most purely cinematic qualities. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a fantastic time, a really well animated project and one that I'm looking forward to. Hopefully seeing sometime later this year, it was acquired by Neon. So whether that ever comes to Australia, we'll find out. Uh, Dylan, what's your number one? My number one, I can't go past it. Killers of the Flower Moon, Martin Scorsese's upcoming film. I cannot, like, this is, I don't know if there's anything else I can warm out. Like, there's a lot of movies I'm anticipating in the second half of the, the year, but this one, sure, I think is on my number one spot currently. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've, so I have finished listening to the book now. So I'm, I'm very much like, like, just at the stage where I'm like, I've got all these people's names in my head and things and i'm just very keen to see how it all plays out on the screen in this this big movie which everyone's been raving about and everything so yeah that's my number one my number one is the palm d'or winner anatomy of a fall um directed by justine triette becoming the third woman to ever win the palm d'or uh description sandra samuel and their visually impaired son daniel have been living in a remote mountain location for the past year when samuel is found dead outside the house an investigation for death in suspicious circumstances launched amidst the uncertainty sandra is indicted was it suicide or homicide a year later daniel attends his mother's trial a veritable dissection of his parents relationship uh yeah it sounds like a fantastic crime drama thriller um and yeah, you know, <laughs> clearly uh, a favorite amongst the the judges uh, at Cannes. So uh, that was also acquired by Neon. Whether it gets here in Australia, we'll see. Uh, but it sounds Neon like it, kills it at Cannes every year. They do. They acquire the best films. Yeah. You know, they make get in early, get the big deals. So they obviously acquired last year's winner, uh, Triangle of Sagnus. Uh, and that got a pretty solid release around the world and obviously did well uh, critically and awards-wise, so hopefully similar uh, scenes here. Uh, were there any other films that kind of caught your interest? Um, How to Have Sex was the number mm, one. Yes. Um, that <laughs> from reading about, sounds definitely interesting. So the, the pitch, I believe, is like a 16, 17-year-old girl or whatever. Sort of the movie starts with a, a take on the, the whole... You know, I just want to lose my virginity thing, but then it sounds like something happens. Um, it's been directed by a woman, so I think it's going to have a, a like. I assume it has something to say there about that age and society, and I don't know something of interest. But yeah, I, I a lot of the reviews were positive on that one, so I'd say that would be my fourth, I guess. Yeah, that would be on my list. Uh, of course, Asteroid City by Wes Anderson, uh, which people have said it's the most Wes Anderson film, but uh, an elevation, the best Wes Anderson film in a while. So definitely keen for that film now. Um, what else? Uh, Monster, the latest film from Koro, Koro Ido? Here is Kazu Koro Ida, uh, who obviously did Broker. Um, that looks like it's pretty fantastic as well. 
Um, yeah. Lots of really good films. On the other hand, uh, we've obviously got the reviews for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which debuted uh, there. Do we think it's going to make much of a difference that it's got money wise? But bad, yes. No. I don't think it makes any difference. I think it was a weird choice to debut it at Cannes. Okay. Um, well, I think they were expecting a more positive reviews. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know if, if they had any Response, mock reviews yeah. or they took time to have someone view it or they were like, nah, fuck it, she'll be right. But um, And then at the very other end of the, the spectrum was uh, they debuted the first few episodes of the upcoming HBO series, The Idol, um, which has been almost universally critically panned. It is sitting at a 27% at Rotten Tomatoes. So, I mean, that that's higher than it was <laughs> at one point it was like in si- single digits so um yeah what do you think <laughs> were you interested because obviously sam levison uh creator of euphoria um was this series something that you were anticipating or um yeah i was gonna i've i thought it looked bad um but i was gonna watch it anyway so the reviews don't really sway me i'm just so intrigued that i i definitely have to at least check out the first episode or two for so i can have my own opinion on it uh but yeah it's a very weird project where you've they've been built like the, i think the first trailer came out like at the start of year or something like that and it's straight away you get the vibe of we're going we're like we're going to be like edgy sort of like into this fucked up like story about the celebrity life and culture and whatever else something like that. You could tell that's what they're going for. But then the reports coming out of just, you know, like, like excess of sex and uh, drugs and all this sort of stuff. It does raise the question of, okay, so if you're doing like people, so the, most of the negative reviews are saying that like, there's nothing really to say here. It's just being edgy for the sake of being edgy, but, I've seen other people say, no, it totally worked for me. And I I, I, I think the message is clear. And so I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. It is being universally panned, but I think it's just such an interesting project, especially since The weekend. or I think he's credited under his actual real name, which I can't remember. But um, he uh, is like one of the creators of the show as well. Um, then you had all those behind the scenes talks about disruption on the set and all this sort of stuff, which they actually talked about at Cannes on the, the conference and all three of them between Lily, The weekend, and Sam like laughed off and said this, like that's bullshit. Um, Cause apparently the three of them were supposed to be fighting or I don't know. So then people were like, no, it's bullshit. Lily Rose Depp, Depp is just lying. And she's just like, those other two would make it to say that. Be, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, there's a lot of stuff happening behind like, interesting stories coming out of this one but um, i don't know what to believe it's a bunch of he said she said stuff happening i just i don't know Mm. yeah it'll be interesting to see when the public gets to watch it how the reaction is going to be because obviously uh yeah it's 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 crazy (laughs) yeah um all right let's uh move on the other big story is that netflix has finally uh, followed through on their changes, uh, reading from ExplosionNetwork.com, after revealing they would soon be rolling out changes to how you can share your Netflix account in February. The changes are starting to take effect today, which was on the 24th of May. 
Uh, Netflix has announced that as of today, subscribers who are sharing their account with people who live outside their household will be getting emails about changes to the service. Uh, a Netflix account is for use by one household. Everyone living in that household can use Netflix whenever they are at home, on holiday, or or on the go. Netflix will be using the user's IP so they know what is considered the home of obvious users. If you're logged into a tablet or phone, for example, you could use continue to use Netflix on those devices. They simply need to connect to your home network once every month. Uh, Netflix has also added a feature today to accommodate those who may want to keep sharing Netflix for those outside the house. Account holders can add additional members to their account for $7.99. That'll enable those who live outside of your home network to log in and use Netflix with their account details. Uh, Dylan, what do you think the reaction to this change has been? (laughs) Have you seen it? Uh, Primarily a big old shrug from at least people I know and my Twitter feed. I haven't seen any huge thing. Um, The most uproar I've seen is news headlines, but not Mm. actual real people seemingly caring. Yeah, I think that's pretty similar. You know, you see see the headlines and then a few Twitter blue people underneath saying, oh, I'm not going to pay for this service, you know? Uh, And a few examples of people who may be affected um but i feel like the most vocal people about this change are probably the people who were not paying for the netflix to start off with yeah yeah for sure yeah so uh and i mean i, I don't know if this sounds makes me sound like a, a bootlicker in this scenario but like i get it you know like i i can't we we know that netflix runs in a constant loss now you you could you, you can critique some of their choices when it comes to what shows and stuff and what they choose to put their money into and whatever else. But as far as like as a business solution as a way to sort of help get some more money in, I mean, being like, hey, <laughs> how about the people who don't live in a house pay for their own Netflix? I don't think <laughs> it's a hot take. Like, I I don't personally think that's too hot of a take. Like. No, yeah. You know, if the one requirement is that you go to that location once a month. You could still definitely get around it. If yeah. you want to put in all that effort to not pay for Netflix, you could get around it. Yeah, I'm sure you could find some VPN fix that, you know, makes it look like you were at that one specific v- uh, IP address, right? Probably, yeah. I'm not. I think so, so, probably, yeah. If you want to work around it, there's a way that you can probably work around it. Um yeah. But yeah, I feel like it's, yeah, I guess we'll wait till the next financial quarter to see how many people actually do sign up yeah. <laughs> as a result of this, um, or whether it makes any tangible change. Uh, yeah. It definitely just seems like a public opinion kind of, like, I've seen a couple of, I think, Prime Video, like, put out, like, a tweet. Yeah, but like, so they, they take shots, that. and then they'll do yeah. this, they'll make the same choice. They'll see how like, it does, and then... And they'll do it themselves it's... in, like, two years, and then everyone will make fun of them and, like, retweet that tweet, tagging them, and be like, was this you? You know how all this shit plays out. Like, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Wait and see how this plays out. Uh, Dylan, every week, you know, we get so many news stories about casting decisions and news films coming out. Uh, we can't cover them all, so we like to cover them in a segment we like to call, Would You Want to Invest? Uh, segment I detail a new project uh, to Dylan, whether it's a new cast, new you know a purchase 
whatever. And Dylan tells me if he would want to invest in the project partially, fully, or not at all. And then history will be the judge whether he's right or wrong. How do you how do you have new projects to talk about? What is a strike on? <laughs> you know, bank scripts, you know. <laughs> you know, there's all these scripts that have been written. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. You know, not many TV developments, yeah. know, but films. <laughs> uh, all right. Euphoria's Hunter Schaefer has closed a deal to start opposite Academy Award winner invest. Anne Hathaway and Emmy winner Michaela Cole in Mother Mary, the pop music pick marking uh, writer-director David Lowry's third for A24 following his acclaimed efforts, The Green Knight and A Ghost Story. Uh, the forthcoming film to be released by A24 is an epic pop melodrama following a fiction fictional uh, musician and her relationship with an iconic fashion designer. Reading about this the other day. Sounds amazing. Can't wait. Full invest. Full invest. All right. Uh, Rebel Wilson is set to direct her first feature, The Deb, a musical set in Australia that brings the bush into the city. The Deb is written by Hannah Riley and Meg Washington based on a stage show that Wilson championed when it premiered at Sydney's Australian Theatre for Young People in 2022. Uh, Wilson also revealed that she will also co-star in the film and told us that two songs not used in the stage production will be featured in the film Uh, uh, The Deb, Wilson explained, tells a tale of two young women from different cultures one's from the bush and one's a cynical city girl both are searching for self-acceptance and a date to the Deb No thank you Wow Hate Australian film uh, Simon Rex is set to star and executive produce Operation Taco Gary's, uh, with Michael Quam writing and directing. Uh, Matthew Vaughn and Rotten Science will produce the pick. Uh, the film is an off-the-grid conspiracy theorist takes an estranged brother on a road trip with a secret agenda. Rex will play the role of Danny, who comes across as your typical conspiracy theorist, but we quickly learn he is a more complex character. Nope. Uh, Zoe Coletti, Regina Alia, and Andrew Liner have joined Michelle Dockery in Destin Allen Spielberg's uh, feature directorial debut, Please Don't Fear the Children. Uh, in Please Don't Fear the Children, after a viral outbreak ravages the country's adult population, a group of orphans head south in search of a new life, only to find themselves at the mercy of a deranged woman harboring a dangerous secret. There's no, like, nothing for that one outside the synopsis just the directed by Destry Alan Spielberg oh this is her yeah okay uh yeah, yeah. I'll uh I'll pass the invest or something yeah, okay. okay uh Laura Marsden Elsie Fisher and Mina Savari uh set to star alongside Jason Priestley in Control Alt Delete an indie drama marking East Siders creator Kit Williamson's Feature directorial debut, uh, written by Emir Obinson and Am- Arash Homanpour. Control Alt Delete follows disaffected teen Ava and her estranged filmmaker father Grayson as they try to reconnect in the aftermath of a tragic incident uh, prompted by his latest movie. The film explores timely questions about the responsibility of media in our society and how th- how what we consume profoundly affects us and the people around us 
Um, partial invest? Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Edie Gathke has been tapped for a prominent role opposite Robert De Niro, Lizzie Kaplan, Jesse Plemons, Joan Allen, and Connie Britton in Netflix's limited series, Zero Day, the six-episode conspiracy theory thriller from creators Eric Newman, Noah Oppen- Oppenheim, and Michael S. Schmidt. Uh, falling under a deal between Netflix and Newman's Grand Electric Production Zero Day, asks the question, how do we tell the truth in the world in crisis, one seemingly being torn apart by forces outside of control, and in an era rife with conspiracy theory and subterfuge, how much of those forces are products of our own undoing, perhaps even our own imagining? At the center of the narrative is Daenerys Mullen, a popular but complicated figure who was yanked back from retirement to head up a commission investigating a global cyber attack. Um, no, that sounds like, that was a lot. You said a lot of words. It was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Normal People and Where the Crawdads Sing star Daisy Edgar Jones is the latest star attached to Oscar winner Ron Howard's next movie, Origin of Species, which is a hot project at the Cannes market. Uh, the in-demand Jones is in talks to join the Buzzy project, which, as we told you before, uh, already has Oscar nominee Anna Diamas, Oscar nominee Jude Law, and Golden Globe nominee Daniel Brühl attached, and Oscar winner uh, Alicia Vikander in talks to join. Uh, based on two different counts of the same true story, the film is being described as a darkly comic tale of murder and survivor set around a group of eclectic characters who abandon civilization for the Galapagos. They are searching for the answer to their ever pressing question that plagues us all what is the meaning of life? Um, I'm going to not invest. I, I don't know. I don't know about these these this Ron Howard director anymore. Do you like the 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 Thailand cave cave diving film? Yeah, but his bigger movies are usually bad. Is is how is how I feel. The big the bigger they go, you love Solo. Yeah, I like Solo. <laughs> I would have another Solo. He was also just coming in as the, the fucking puppet director. So. Yeah. So, Hush, what, what's he done lately? What has he done lately? Now, I <laughs> I don't know if I dream this, but I think I saw someone the other day say that Alden Ehrenreich was basically talking shit on Ron Howard, unless I dreamt that. I don't know. I didn't say that. Okay. Maybe I dreamt it. We drank. You did that Hillbill Elegy movie, and then all panned. those, all the all the Da Vinci Code films, Da Vinci things, which are shit. Yeah. You did Rush. There you go. That was Ten years ago, though. You know, if you if you make if you make, make enough movies, you'll make a Rush. Is how it. <laughs> uh, eighteen eighty three breakout star Isabella May is set to star opposite Journey Smollett in the thriller Sunflower which Misha Green is directing for Lionsgate in her feature debut. In the film, which the studio is fast-tracking for production, two women struggle to escape from a deranged college professor who holds them hostage on a remote sunflower farm. Uh, I'll fully invest. I love me some deranged kidnapping movies. Awesome. All right, last one. Lionsgate has taken worldwide rights to The Killer's Game, an action comedy package that has Dave Bautista set to star and J.J. Perry 
a board to direct. The studio will launch sales at the Cannes Film Festival, which kicks off tomorrow. Uh, based on Jay Bonensinger's uh, same name novel, The Killer's Game follows veteran assassin Joe Flood, who is diagnosed with a life-threatening illness and authorizes a kill on himself to avoid the pain that he is destined to follow. After ordering the kill, he finds out he was misdiagnosed and must then fend off an army of former colleagues trying to kill him. That's a that's a pretty good setup for a film. I'll fully invest. All right, it's pretty good. That's a pretty good. Uh, Definitely, yeah. that is a pretty, pretty good, good setup. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. All right, uh, let's give some time to trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers that we're about to talk about in this week's episode in the show notes below. Kicking things off, we've got The Color Purple, uh, directed by Blitz Basil, uh, starring Fantasia Barino, Danielle Brooks, Taraji P. Henson, Coleman Domingo, uh, Corey Hawkins, Her, Haley Berry, Ajuan Ellis Taylor, and Felicia Pearl Parsi. A musical adaptation of Alice Walker's novel about the lifelong struggles of an African-American woman living in the South during the early 1900s. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on this musical adaptation of the book that was made famous kind of by Spielberg's adaptation? Yes, I've never seen... I've actually never watched the Spielberg film. I presume you haven't either. Nope. Yeah. Um, I like the trailer for this. I'll go double thumbs up. I... It's getting the the Matilda treatment, and you know, it's like let's you gotta you gotta <laughs> you get a famous movie. Of course, it's also based on the long running Broadway <laughs> musical adaptation of the material. Yeah, but, it's like yes. let's, it's like it's based on a book, but also the adaptation of that that was on Broadway that turned into a musical. And now we're gonna redo the movie, so it's not like a remake. Remake, it's like let's do it again, but musical. Um, but yeah, it looks good. I. You know, Coleman Domingo's in this, so it's probably going to be fantastic. And so is uh, Taja <laughs> P. Uh, Henson, so it's probably going to be fa- fantastic. But yeah, it look, looked good. I don't know anything about the story in this, though. So yeah, it's just very... I don't know if the trailer says to play to the the heart of people who already know the material or to, to people like me. But I was like, this seems very... Um, a lot more vibrant, colorful, and less sort of depressing than <laughs> I assumed it would be, to be completely yeah, honest. But yeah. But I'll go double, double, double thumbs up. I'm going to give it one up, one down. Um, I don't think it does enough to win me over as someone who has not watched The Color Purple as any attachment. I don't think it showcases it some musical enough. It kind of like. There's like a couple of fantastical elements into that, but um, yeah, I don't think you could tell that it's a musical really from this trailer. Um, it's also interesting. I feel like maybe they purposely like showcased Haley Berry, uh, Haley Bailey, Haley Bailey, uh, <laughs> prominently in this trailer because Little Mermaid is coming out right now, hmm. uh, despite it appearing that she's probably not going to play a massive role in this film. Well, I don't know. I That's the thing. We don't know. Does the, does the movie yeah, just true. do what, like, does it start when they're kids and then go back or does it is it flash forward and backwards? I, that's I, true. I don't know. That's how fair. Was, yeah. I don't know. How it... uh, but yeah, I, I'm intrigued at the very least. Mm. Uh, so yes, the color purple uh, is set to come to Australian seminars on the 21st of January next year. Uh, next trailer. Susie Searches, uh, directed by Sophie Kargman, uh, starring Kirstie Clemens, Alex Wolf, Jeff Gaffigan, 
Ken Marino, David Walton, Isaac Powell, Rachel Sinott, Jeffrey Owens, Alex Moffat, Dolly Wells, Kat Foster, and Jaron Gilman. Susie is an awkward college student with a failing true crime podcast. She seizes the opportunity to boost her popularity by solving the mysterious disappearance of Jesse, a campus heartthrob. With her star on the rise, events soon take a dark turn as she digs out at the truth and finds herself in over her head. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of this trailer? This is this is the only upcoming Kirstie Clemens film I'm looking forward to. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help myself. Um, no, it looks. I'm going. Yeah, d- definitely double thumbs up. This looks just such a such a style to it, and the or at least the way the trailer portrays it. To have, this film looks to have such a, a style and and voice to it. Um, obviously, it's it's very funny that you've got someone who like wants to you know they kidnap someone for all this and whatever else and um, sort of plays into modern age sort of societal wants and needs or, or what have you alex wolf actually looks really good in this sort of playing the i guess the dumb idiot who got kidnapped i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um and then also shout out uh rachel's uh Senot is in it hopefully more than what's in the trailer because she's only seen speaking to her where Susie's at her like job or whatever at the like yep. wendy's or whatever it's supposed to be but um i'll any rachel sinot and anything i'm i'm probably going to be down at this stage to be honest but yeah i'll go double thumbs up yeah i'll give it two thumbs up as well uh looks interesting story it, what do you think about them revealing like that she did the kidnapping i think it means it's obviously not yeah uh, obviously it's not it's secret not it's it's part of the the movie that you you need to know that she did it the entire time because it's the movie's not about that reveal it's about her but from that description <laughs> i read out you wouldn't know that you wouldn't but i yeah i'm i mean the way the trailer plays it off it, it makes it sound like she probably like like it's yeah the majority of the on. movie is after she fake saves him so yes yeah interesting again another movie about podcasting so you know we were here first. Where were we there? Uh, yep. <laughs> I feel like a lot of these true crime project films were out a long time ago, but uh, of podcasts. Uh, but yeah, interesting. You know, podcasting podcasters are a viable profession, apparently. Stop trying to steal my podcast. <laughs> uh, so Susie Searches releases in the US on the 28th of July. There is currently no Australian release date. Wow. To uh next trailer hijack created by george k uh starring idris elba archie punjab uh neil maskill uh eve miles christine adams max beasley katie kate phillips and ben miles when flight ka29 is hijacked during a seven hour journey from dubai to london corporate negotiator sam nelson tries to use his professional skills to save everyone on board Still more just things trailer for hijack. What I'll tell you is this: this is a TV series. <laughs> really? It is a six-episode miniseries set to take place in real time. Okay, I mean, I, I watched it and I, it came off like a movie, but all right, fuck me, right? Um, I'll go one, one down then for my confusion. Um, or else I'm, I'm keen. I, 
Idris Elba's playing Idris Elba, I guess, and he's going to save the day, and that's very cool. I mean, it just looks like a typical sort of thriller thing, but um, at least with a, a bit more happening on the on the ground. And on the ground, I've got Eve Miles, so shout out to Torchwood. So I'm all about that. Also, Neil Mescal's in this, so um, I'm probably very keen. There's two people, two British people I love seeing and stuff in this, so I'm keen for that. Uh, but yeah, I'll go one-on-one down. I mean, there's half, half the trailers, like, typical plain thriller thing. And then the other, some other parts made me look like, oh, there's a lot more, like, espionage happening. And, like, maybe a little bit more than meets the eye happening. Yeah, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I'll go one-on-one down. I don't, I don't think it, like, sold its premise <laughs> particularly well. Like, it does have that thing of the, the countdown of, like, every hour, so... You could kind of get the hint that it's twenty four esque of it's it's all taking place yeah. as it happens or whatever, um, but yeah, just from this trailer, it's hard to believe that it could sustain your interest for six episodes. Imagine if every episode starts with like the the timer ticking down. It's like really twenty four esque. Maybe Buddy will watch it then. Yeah, maybe. So he's <laughs> <laughs> the he's the black Jack Bauer. Crazy, no. yeah. Uh, no, he's not going to torture anybody. He's a negotiator. Uh, yeah, so this is releasing on Apple TV Plus on the 28th of June. Next trailer. Polo Mista. Directed by Julio Torres, starring Julio Torres, Tilda Sweeten, Riza, Isabella Rossellini, and Greta Lee. Alejandro is an aspiring toy designer from El Salvador, struggling to bring his unusual ideas to life in New York City. As time on his work visa runs out, a job assisting an erratic art world outcast becomes his only hope to stay in the country and realize his dream. Dylan, what did you think of this trailer for Problemista, the new A24 film? What I think is I'm never going to watch this because it's never going to release here. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, yeah, double thumbs up. Looks absolutely fantastic. Uh, very weird, but so good at the same time. I obviously the the message here is about you know immigration and the, the absurdities and then you've got this stupid fucking Tilda Swinton character who's like you don't even know what it's like to work hard for something. Meanwhile, the dude's like minus five hundred dollars in his bank account while just fighting to stay in the country. Like it's just <laughs> it's sort of so on the nose that it's it's uh, obviously it's meant to be funny, but I mean it's kind of sad. As <laughs> I guess is the, is the thing. But yeah, I, I double thumbs up. It looks very very good. Yeah, double thumbs up for me as well. I think it uh, definitely has a distinct look to it uh, on top of like the crazy immigrant story and uh, Tilda Swinton being crazy. Uh, yeah, directed by Julio Torres, who did uh, created the show Los Espookies, I want to say, uh, which was a show I heard, you know, on HBO, I think very well received, but only survived two seasons. Um, writes the movie, stars in the movie, directs the movie. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, this looks like it, it'll be a very interesting time if it ever gets a release here in Australia. Yeah. Probably. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, probably start scheduled to release in the US on the 4th of August. No Australian release date. Mm-hmm. Uh, last trailer for this week, Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig. Starring Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Kate McKinnon, Issa Rae, Harry Neff, Alexandra Ship, Emma Mackey, Sharon Rooney, Dua Lipa, Nicola Coughlin, uh, Anna Cruz Kane, Rita Ayura, Kingsley Ben Adia, Simu Liu, Scott Evans, Shooting Gatwa, John Cena, America Ferrer, 
Connor Swindells, Michael Serra, Helen Mirren, Jamie Demetrio, Emerald Fennel, and Will Farrell. Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living along among the humans. Dylan, we've seen some teaser trailers before of this Barbie movie. What do you think of this big main trailer for Barbie? Yeah, I've watched it a couple times. And then when you put the, the links in um, Chanty and I was like, man, I don't need to watch this, but guess what? I'm watching it again. <laughs> uh, double thumbs up. Absolutely looks like such a fun time. Having a better idea of what the, the the idea of the movie is finally, I guess, like the core plot that surrounds everything um, sort of helps put into perspective how the, the movie's going to work. Will Ferrell, obviously, playing the CEO of Mattel's, just like trying try to put Barbie back in it, Barbie and Ken back in their boxes. Uh, seeing Ryan Gosling just play the most absolutely naive idiot is hilarious, especially with the art, the like the, the stinger right at the end. Like, I need a doctor, I need a clicky pen. No, it's, it's just all that sort of stuff. So good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it just looks so like it almost looks too good to be true. This movie to to me, it just. It just looks like perfect casting and ideas and whatever else around them. And you, you, I have full faith deep down, considering the the writers and the director, that this is more than just fun Barbie movie. Like it's obviously going to have something to say about I think um, Barbie as a a thing among I guess history of like girls. And then there's the joke in it, like, we never even play, played Barbie since we're five years old and stuff. And then you've got old mate, like, slapping her on the ass. And, like, obviously there's st- there's going to be substance to your Barbie, but it's also having a lot of fun with the, the concept. So, yeah, I'm very, very, very keen. Yeah, double thumbs up for me. Very funny, very fantastical world. It's crazy to think this is from the director of Little Women. <laughs> like, going from that to this, like, um bizarre um but yeah just the yeah it it's crazy this movie has kind of like it's got its own a life of its own kind of like as soon as this trailer came out you saw all like the art uh copies of uh barbie and ken in prison um like copying that and like uh it definitely feels like it's gonna be a cultural moments which is kind of crazy for uh, a movie about a doll that's been around for like I mean, 60, I, 70 years. I think it's well deserved. I mean, Barbie's definitely not as big now, but it, like, even when I was a kid, Barbie was, Barbies were everywhere. I, I barely see Barbies anywhere now, but Barbies used to be such a big thing and Barbies have been a thing for so long, you know? So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that, like, when a Barbie movie comes out, there's like a, a buzz of, this could could this be something we care about? And then when it looks yeah. this good that people care, like <laughs> it definitely kind of weirdly has the same kind of buzz that the Lego movie had. Like, wow, this is kind of like re changing our minds about this toy product that mm. this is gonna be a good movie for something that we thought was gonna be a terrible cash tie in. Yeah. 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 So uh yeah. So this releases in Australian cinemas on the twentieth of July. So month, definitely month away month and a half away yeah can't come soon enough uh dylan this week what do you want to watch this week it's a very easy answer we should have the same thing up assumably um which is spider-man across the spider-verse of course yes 
It is definitely. There's nothing really. Nothing else. Uh, really nothing else. Um, just in general. <laughs> I mean, the only other uh, thing that's out is Boogeyman, I think. Yeah, but the Boogeyman is coming Boogeyman out this week as well. Boogeyman comes out, which I would uh, like to watch, but I mean, yeah, Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse still. Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse on the TV front. I want to check out Deadlock. That looks... Yeah, that'll be my pick, but I've already watched it, but that's yes. still my pick, yeah. Uh, here's my question. Uh, how do you think this Spider-Man movie is going to do financially? Obviously, the first one, like, it was kind of a sleeper film. How do we think it's going to financially perform? I would assume it does very well. I I think for the I think for everyone who the first one became such a, a big movie, especially towards the end of its run, that I'll be absolutely shocked if people don't come out to watch this one. I know we talk about like obviously cinemas don't do as well now, but what does well consistently are the big Marvel movies the big superhero movies maybe you have the ones in between that not everyone comes around for and they're like oh I'll just watch it when it comes to disney Plus." but I, this doesn't fall into that this is a this is a everyone's coming out to watch this movie okay here's here's the important question is it going to make more than 120.5 million dollars at the u.s box office what's that number hmm? is that the the last one made or no, that's that's what the the prediction on on sports bet. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, over. Over. Uh, let me just quickly look up what the fir- the first one only made. Is Spider Verse made three hundred eighty four million dollars worldwide? You think it's going to make one hundred twenty first weekend in the US? Yes. Okay. Wait and see. All right. Let us know what you want to watch this week. Do you th- how well do you think Spider Man Across Spider Verse is going to perform? at the box office or anything that we talked about this week by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump into Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here at what anyone watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts on Podchaser, leave us five stars, and you can leave five stars or just tell people about the show. And if you've enjoyed this episode, close us with a dollar, head on over to our coach page at explosion.com slash supports. The other thing I'm looking forward to this week, season slash series finale of Ted Lasso. Mm, me too. All right, until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.